Welcome back to Beat the Chaos, everybody, with Corey Harris and Julie Traxler. We are happy to have you here listening in on this show. And we're going to spend the next hour talking about business, gambling, all sorts of things that, um, I don't know, we're interested in. Hopefully, you're interested in, too. I don't know. I, that's a terrible intro. That was awful, but I just, I had like a coughing fit before this. And so yeah. I was surprised that my voice could even work. That's okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk about business in the first hour, uh, but like competitive analysis for we're only the, here for an hour. One of the first 20 minutes, the first, <laughs> first part of the hour, we're going to talk about, um, competitive analysis, the NFL advertising, that type of stuff. And then we've got Chad Felderhoff of Munster Milling on, and he is going to come talk to us about the pluses and minuses of taking over the family business. And then in the third segment, we've got Julie's brother, Mark, joining us and Maddie Simo of uh, what is footballcontest.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to, we're going to talk gambling in the last 20 minutes of the show. We're going to talk gambling. We're going to talk about the impact of that <coughs> online gambling had on, has had on Vegas itself. And um, I think the first time we had this conversation with Maddie, you and I were a little bit surprised at what he had to say on this. So. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Cause we had recorded a podcast with him not too long ago. Right. And we've actually had um, all three of our guests have been on our podcast before. So we are, you know, we've, we've got stories that we can follow up on with them, but before we dive into the um, bringing in, well, I'm sorry. Let me start over. I got confused there. What is going on? I don't morning? know, man. It's like, we haven't had enough coffee yet today. Before we bring on Chad, let's start, let's talk about the NFL. This is Super Bowl week. It is a big week, the biggest of the big weeks. And, you know, interestingly enough, Corey and I did a, we tried to do a competitive analysis on the NFL earlier this week. The we were, entity, the NFL. Yeah, the yes. entity. We were preparing for the show and man, we we really struggled through it because we realized the NFL pretty much a monopoly. Yeah. The we we tried to determine who the customer who their customer was and we were going through the whole process that we would with a client. And it was just rough. Like we we were at a loss. We were debating, arguing, like everything that was going into this. And then we realized that you either like to watch football or you don't. And so the, the college football could be a competitor, but the, the way that they have worked most of the schedules and the TV um, airtimes and all of that is so that every like if you want to watch college football and the NFL, you can. Yeah. And they do not compete against each other. They really don't. And there's a few sports that go on during the same time that's uh, happened, like within the NFL season. So you've got baseball finishing up at the beginning of the NFL season. Mm -hmm. I'd argue baseball is not a real sport. And then (laughs) dads and sons everywhere are crying right now. Good. Um, (laughs) And then hockey and basketball start up towards the tail end of the season. And so there, there are things going on, but for the most part, if you're a hockey fan, you might be a football fan, but you're going to pick one or the other. And so there's, there's not that much competition. And with the internet and fantasy football and 24 hours of football news going on, like you don't, you don't really even need to watch the games to get your football fixed throughout the week. NFL is king. They are king. So instead of doing the competitive analysis and the reason that we really struggled with it, we didn't struggle with thinking about like a direct competitor, right? Cause you can look and see, you could say NBA is a direct competitor or hockey, NASCAR, whatever the even college football, you could say it is a direct competitor because as a human being, 
you only want to a lot, at least you should, if you are a healthy human being who has a career and, you know, a family and, and a life outside of the television. What is that? Yeah. Right. You, you only want to a lot so much of your time to sitting in front of the TV. Right. So if you, let's say you give yourself five hours a week to watch TV, you're going to have to make a choice between college football and NFL. You can't, you can't take them both, right? So so direct competition was easy to understand who it is, but there are other types of competition that occur. And this is for every business, right? So this isn't just the NFL. This is every business. There are four types of competition. There are There is direct, which is the same customer, same problem, and the same product category, right? Then you've got different problem. So that's another kind of competition. So you're solving a different problem for the same customer, but in a similar way. The third type of competition is a different customer. So you're solving the same problem in a similar way, but for a different customer. And then the fourth type of competition is a different product category. So you'd be solving the same problem for the same customer but you're using an entirely different approach. So we we struggled our way through this. We almost had to call in our good friend Callie Keene to help us to walk us through it because he is also an expert in this. But we decided rather than doing a competitive analysis or even looking at just the very highest level of who the competition is for the NFL, we were going to do it for beer. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, you throwing that over to me now? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So <laughs> we've got, uh, so we just, yeah, we went with Budweiser because that was a, a lot easier. Everybody in, in terms of um, being able to talk about competition, the, everybody is familiar with the Budweiser commercials. If you've ever watched the Super Bowl, they usually have an entertaining one or, or a memorable one. They always have one that makes you cry. Yeah, they try. Um, and so, and so that was easier to talk about that. So we want, wanted to run through what that kind of, look like in that competitive analysis, because as Julie kind of stated, and and for anybody out there who wasn't taking notes, even though Julie was pausing long enough in between each statement, so you could write things down. I don't know if that was occurring or not. I was, <laughs> I was pausing so that people could absorb. Yes. It. So the, the, there are some charts, some visuals out there that make this a lot easier, but basically in each one of those categories in the second, third and fourth categories, you're switch. Every the two things remain the same and one thing changes. So for Budweiser, the obvious direct competitor is just going to be another beer company, national beer company, one that would advertise during the Super Bowl. So Miller Lite, um, they're geared towards football fans. The football fan wants to drink beer and they are selling beer. So right. pretty simple. Everybody can figure that one out. Yep. And then for the second category, the different problem. So we're solving a different problem for the same customer, but in a similar way, we're solving the problem for an alcoholic. So he still wants to drink beer, but now the product is O'Doul's, right? So yeah. they're still a football fan. So it's still the, they want to watch football and they still want to drink beer, but they cannot get drunk. So we are solving it with O'Doul's. The next one is going to be that different customer. So um, you still have somebody who wants to drink beer. Can I pause you for a sure. second? And just I want to say, so 
the, the whole point of this is, and when we think about the Miller Lite and the O'Doul's, Budweiser needs to go to market with a strategy to lure those customers in. So for Miller Lite, it's fairly easy, right? They've got this beer and they want to, you know, get people. And for the most part, people are either team Miller, Lite, team Miller or team Budweiser, right? But they're, so they're, those are pretty well set, but somebody who is an O'Doul's person, Budweiser's solution could be go to market with a non-alcoholic beer. And I think they have one. I don't but, know. Yeah. So the the next one is just going to be that different customer. So again, it's somebody who drinks beer and mm-hmm. you're selling beer. But in this instance, we have somebody who's going to be more of a beer snob. So mm-hmm. it's going to be somebody who only drinks the local beers, the, the the craft beers, that type of stuff. So for Budweiser, for example, perfect example is here in Virginia, there was Devil's Backbone was a brewery uh, up in the Charlottesville area. And they became very big, very popular, and Budweiser bought them because they wanted the name and the craft beer and that local kind of approach. But now growth through acquisition. Exactly. Smart so, strategy. so for anybody out there who's like, oh, I don't like supporting big companies. Devil's Backbone, they're out of Charlottesville. You're still supporting Budweiser. Okay. All right. So they're, that's how they solve that problem, right? Or another solution for that could have been that they could inter- they could create a subsidiary company. That does just craft local yes. brews. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then the fourth category is that different product. So you've got somebody who's still, they're still that football fan and they still want to, you know, have something that sort of, you know, takes the edge off or helps them feel good and lower their inhibitions. Um they and but they are doing it through a different solution. And in this case, it's edibles. Right. So we can go find, you know, your local dispensary edible, dispensary. Right. So how does Budweiser solve that problem? I how mean, do they compete against that market? They can convince people that beer is superior to weed. I mean, that would be a way to compete. They could create their own Budweiser edibles. Um they, I mean, again, that would be kind of the same as the, the the last one where you're just creating a different company that would compete in this different market. Or, I mean, realistically, you don't have to compete with them. like there again, there's going to be people who, who, for whatever reason, I don't like to drink beer because X, Y, and Z, or my family's a bunch of alcoholics, or I'm just, I'm never going to drink beer and I'm only interested in weed. Or maybe I'm, I, I'm just sober. I don't, I don't like to do anything. Right. Although that's not true, but. okay yeah so that's a good point and then there is also always the the competition of nothing yes right so maybe you know there are there are people who choose to just as Corey said just drink water they don't they're not looking to get hammered or take the edge off they they like to live with edge yeah and uh, you know i mean there's some some respect to that but also, it's like there, there are other people who like, they don't they don't consume caffeine. They don't smoke. They don't drink. They don't. I'm like, I don't understand those people. Nothing alters your like, I, I don't get it. I've got I've got friends who um, who they, they're they're They stay up late, uh, either working, drinking, whatever. They they can exist off of four hours of sleep. No caffeine. And they're like, I might make some tea, you know, in the afternoon. I'm like, what is that's impressive or that's just awful. Something wrong with your friends. Yes. 
Let's um so let's let's talk a little bit about why it's so important to look at the competition as a business owner and how how doing a competitive analysis can benefit you from a revenue or a profit sales perspective. And I want to dive into that in the less than obvious ways because every oh do a competitive analysis everybody thinks oh yeah I'm going to look at uh, I'm a I'm a roofer I'm a restaurant I'm a lawyer I'm going to find people in a similar cal- category in my local you know my geographic geogra- <clears throat> excuse me geographical area and I'm just going to maybe check out their website or mm-hmm. look at their reviews online if if pricing's available I'm going to look at pricing and that's about it but as we already kind of discussed there's different market segments that you could you could tap mm-hmm. if you look at those different areas if you dive deep into an actual comparison between your business and an indirect competitor or mm-hmm. um, you can even i suggest like especially if you're if you're local if you're not an online business or if you if you only do business in a certain area Look on the other side of the country, look in different countries, find other places around the world and and connect with them. Because if let's say I only sell in Virginia, but there's a company in, I don't know, France that does something similar, they're going to be more likely to tell you how they you know succeed with the like their secrets because you're not going to compete against them. Yeah. So I had a conversation earlier this week with um, a a friend, I'm going to call him an internet friend, right? Because I've actually not ever met him in person, but we all have internet friends now with the exception of you, Corey, you don't have internet friends. But I had a conversation with an internet friend earlier this week where we were talking about competitive analysis. And he told me that he thought they were nonsense, that it was not needed, that there were far more important things that need to be done inside of a business in order to be successful. And I would say, I believe there are many, many paths that you can take to success as a business owner, many paths, right? And it's different for, it's, there is, it's not a cookie cutter formula, but I strongly believe that if you want to understand how you are different and how to differentiate yourself in the market, truly differentiate yourself, find those gaps and then fill them with what you do, the only way to do that is through a comprehensive competitive analysis. Yes, and even seasoned business owners, people who know their industry, their business inside and out, need to perform it. I just realized the other day, we had this conversation, I believe yesterday. Um, So for Cabo, the one that I'm opening here in Richmond, like I know who my direct competitors are. I know the brand, the business, the industry. I know all of those things, but I it just clicked uh, this past week. I was like, I haven't done a pricing comparison. Like what do people, and and it's everything. It's like, what does a, a meal, a lunchtime meal kind of look like for uh, restaurants in the area in terms of cost? What do they charge for iced tea, for soda? What are their craft beers, cocktails, all of those things where um, it, like I hadn't, I hadn't done a price comparison on, on that. And I was like, oh, well, I should probably go do that because um, it doesn't seem like it makes a, a big deal, but you know, if you're paying two fifty for a soda or three twenty five, if I'm selling thousands of those a week, that is a big deal. That is a big, very, very big deal. Um, I just, I think, you know, for so let's we only have a couple of minutes before we're going to go to break, and then we're going to bring Chad on, which you know, we're looking forward to that conversation on 
what are for somebody who's going to do a competitive analysis on their own, what are the top three or four things they should be looking at, Corey, besides price? Because we all know, and we say it all the time, competing on price is just a race to the bottom. And during break, we're going to teach Aaron, our sound engineer, how to use the enter key on his computer. Yes. <laughs> um, the uh, well, so price, like for me, like I want to I'm trying to price as high as I can price. Like I'm not trying to compete, say, no, thinking that people are going to be, oh, I'm going to come in because they have cheaper soda. I want to if if you're charging three twenty five, can I charge three fifty? Right. And so but but, but you want to look at the brand. So that includes the logo, the look, the feel, if you can compare um, the culture of the business. So that's the interaction that you can experience online, customer, the customer experience, um, the online presence, reviews, how they handle reviews. Um, do they even have an online presence? We've done competitive analysis before where like the top competitor for this one company in their area didn't even have a website, which <laughs> and another competitor had one that was built in like 1992. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's go to break. This was, this was great. And maybe we'll pick this up. Uh, if we, if we can't pick it up later today and in our third segment, we will definitely pick this up next week. Cause I think this is an important topic, but for now let's go to break. And when we come back, we're going to have Chad Felderhoff with us. Hey everybody, this is Corey from Defeat the Chaos, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about SB Pace. That's the company that Julie and I co-founded. We offer coaching and consulting services to small business owners, helping them to reach new levels inside of their businesses. One of our most popular services is our one-on-one coaching, where we work directly with small business owners just like you to make your business more efficient. We guide you through finding more time in your day to focus on the tasks that bring the most value to your business and accelerate your revenue growth. This one-on-one, well, technically two coaching is built around your schedule and your goals and will help keep you on track to make your business a success. There are no strings attached, no long commitments, and it's priced perfectly for any small business. If you're struggling to find time to grow yourself and your business, or you want to find ways to improve your financial situation, head on over to sbpace.com slash small dash business dash coaching to sign up. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. 
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at VoiceAMBusiness. Again, that's at VoiceAMBusiness. And stay current. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And welcome back to the show. Maybe, I don't know, I think we're having a little audio issue over here, but welcome back. We've got Chad Felderhoff on, and he is uh, one of the owners of Munster Milling in Texas. I forgot where, but we can find that out from Chad. How are you doing today, Chad? Doing awesome, Corey. How about yourself? Doing well. Awesome. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on the show. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, so we had Chad on the show Um a while ago on our podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. On the podcast. Yeah. yeah this within was, our first six months. Yeah. We did, yeah. Um, and we talked about his company. They make dog food. And um, as Julie stated, I, I tested the dog food because it's all human grade food. And so I ordered some and I cooked it up and yeah, it tastes like dog food. Yeah. <laughs> Chad, was very, Chad was very memorable because he told some great stories about, being in a family owned business and um, having to fire his mom, which was um, actually a very funny story, but I know you've had some big things happen since we last talked to you. So let's, let's just kind of give a little bit of a, a timeline of what's been going on with you, Chad, and, and um, why we brought you on the show. Cause we really wanted to talk about the changes that have happened in your business and what that has looked like for you to get from where you were to where you are now in the company. Yeah, so I forget Julie when we when we last spoke. I think it's probably been two years ago, maybe even three. Uh, no, about about eighteen months. Eighteen months. Okay. See, time flies when you're having fun, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, it we uh, we're a fam a family owned business. We were fourth generation. My brother and I. We bought our parents out. As you as you talked, we we kind of had to fire our parents. So that's always fun. But then. Um, Long story short, we we continued to grow and and hit the gas pedal as hard as we could. Um, and here recently, about six, uh, yeah, it's been about well, probably but closer to five months. Five months ago, we brought on some equity partners to to really help scale our business. So it's it's been an interesting journey going from a fourth fourth generation only family owned to uh, bringing some equity partners in, but uh, they. It, it's kind of capital needed. And it's interesting because you can hear entrepreneurs and hear people complain about it or talk about it both ways. Never bring a partner on. And sometimes par- bringing a partner on is the best thing you can do, right? 
Yeah. What, what was that decision like process, that decision making process like for you and your brother as you were deciding if you should bring on an equity partner? Because in essence, you're giving up some control of this. I assume you gave up control, some control of your family owned business. Yeah. So basically the pet space is, is really frothy right now. So pet, pet categories, um, private equity guys have been, have been making moves into the pet industry for probably the last four or five years. There's big returns there. Um, and so we, we continually were getting calls. Hey, we want to buy your business. We want to partner with you guys. We want to do something with you. And so long story short, we put a number down on a napkin and said, if somebody's willing to pay us this for it, fine. <laughs> like let's if they're willing to give us this valuation okay we'll sit down and talk to them uh and figure out what it looks like and so then it then it pretty much um turned into you know that it's kind of like putting your house on the market um and not having another another house out there but you just you put your house out on the market see what kind of bids it brings in and then you figure out if you really want to sell um and you know, so it's it's a double-edged sword. Uh, we got multiple offers in, and and we talked to multiple companies. Uh, just from a general sense, that's what that's what you do, right? And so we talked to multiple different PE firms. Some numbers were higher, some numbers were lower. Equity portions were different. You know, it it's an algorithm almost. Um, and then you have to also play with. What are, what are these people going to be like as partners? What are they going to do? How are they going to help us? And are they just, do they just want to get in the industry or do they actually want to help us? And so we found some great guys that uh, know human food very, very well. Um, they've partnered with Nutrisystems and Kettle Cuisine and, and a lot of those. And they actually happen to be local to Dallas, which was pretty unique as well. So um you know, it, it all kind of worked out in a, they seem to be really great guys and, and great partners so far. What was the, the interaction like when you were working out the, the operating agreement, essentially, because you're giving up equity in the business and they're going to bring something to the table, depending upon what it is that you need. So it's, uh, it's almost like a, a, a realistic version of Shark Tank. And I know that Shark Tank is real in the sense that they do give real money and there are some success stories, but it's all, there's a lot of show going on there. There's the, you know, all right, I'm going to give you this much percentage of the business. And a lot of times the Shark Tank, they're just giving them money. They're not helping them with anything. But in the real world, you, I mean, if all you want is money, you can go to a bank and you don't even have to give up equity. If you're looking for that that growth, then you're looking for a partner who's going to provide something to your business, whether that's experience or a network or whatever. But you need to hammer all those details out in the, the ownership, the operating agreement, because if not, then it gets really muddy. And now you bring these people in who want to start changing parts of your business that you don't want to change. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't make sense for you. It's not on brand. It doesn't fit with the culture, et cetera. Um, and that's where a lot of arguments happen between partners because you bring somebody in and they have this idea, but it's like, well, you got to stay in your lane according to the operating, uh, operating agreement. So can you walk us through what that was like? Yeah. So, you know, it, it was a lot like Shark Tank in an essence of, 
either you want to do a deal with Mark Cuban or you want to deal, do a deal with Kevin O'Leary because you know their personality, right? Um, so a lot of the operating agreement was based on personality reference checks. Uh, just talking with other people that have, have done deals with them. So the, the group that we partnered with, they typically do family founder businesses. Um, and honestly, they, they didn't want to run the business, right? And so, you know, yes, you can go to the bank and get all the money you want conceivably, but in an asset heavy uh, business like we are. So we were, we were looking at <clears throat> putting in three more freeze dryers the freeze dryers are a million bucks a pop. Um, we already had five. And so basically we had tapped out the local banks and we could have probably gone and got more debt, but then it's a debt to equity kind of leverage ratio, right? And so it, you, you fight this, there's this internal struggle of you can't keep up with your customers because some of our customers were growing at 20, 30, 100%, right? Um, and so all of a sudden you, you really struggle because you can't, as a small business, if you can't grow with your customers, then your customers are going to leave you and find somebody else bigger, right? So the, the, the equity piece is a, is a, or the capital piece of it was huge because they said, you're thinking too small and came in and brought enough money to put in 20 dryers in a brand new facility. So um, that's not something you could go to the bank and get. I, that's, I, I love what you just said about, you know, if you, you know, outgrowing your, or your customers, if you can't keep up with your customers or get your customers what you need, then they're going to go someplace else. And that's, um, I, th I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs look at their business that way, right? People look at growth and um, we actually just have had a lot of conversations about this recently where, you know, people, you know, focusing on that, that number, right? Focusing on the revenue growth or the profit growth and not having the systems and, and processes in place to support that number. But looking at it from the perspective of the customer is an entirely different angle that also needs to be considered to say, our, our, our customers are growing and they have higher demands of us. If we can't keep up with that, we're going to lose them. So how do we, how do we adjust or what do we need to do to make that happen? And I'm curious if that was, was that the tipping point that made you realize we need to get an equity partner or was it a combination of things that you guys came to that made you say, all right, let's, let's take on an equity partner here. Well, like I said, it, it was a combination of things, right? Um, the, the pet food industry was very frothy. We had some great customers that were growing and we knew there was more business to get. Hey, Ted, real yep. quick, um, what does frothy mean to you? <laughs> so frothy means that they're paying way more than they should for okay. a business. Okay. Ah, right. gotcha. yeah. Perfect. So, right. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you there. but uh, <laughs> So real estate, for example, real estate in Dallas is very frothy. You can sell a house in 10 minutes, but it, you can't buy one in 10 weeks because um, you're always chasing the seller. So it, it's definitely a seller's market, right? And, and so... There, there's big multiples being paid. And the, the biggest thing was, is that that was a, that was part of it. Um, we looked at it as we're a 90 year old company and we're mostly regional branded. Right. 
and how many 90-year-old companies that are still alive are just regional branded? There's not many of them. And they either they either scale and grow big or they they kind of just waste into the you know unknown, the the oblivion, right? And so that's how we've looked at it is if we want the Munster name to live on for generations, then and and we want our name attached to it, then then we have to go and we have to go big and we have to scale. And scaling through a bank can be done. And the guys that do it, more props to them. But it's it's really tough to scale in in that manner. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it definitely does make sense. And uh, again, I, like you stated, the amount of money and what you're going to do with it, because the banks banks are very very low risk. They yep. don't they don't like gambling. So if you have a um, if you have a, a solid plan and a slow, consistent way to grow and they can see that they're going to get their 5% return, they're all for it. But if you're making, if you're taking a gamble, if you're really trying to build that business and build it quickly, banks, they don't really like that. So yeah, going with the the PE or an angel investor or something like that is the way to go um, in that process. So a lot of people are, they, they, they love the idea of bringing in, oh, I'll just go get some private equity, but it's not that easy. Like you have to have your systems and processes in place. You have to have your financials, your numbers, like everything. It's got to be attractive to that that uh, investor. And you have to realize that they're taking a risk. So they're getting a bigger cut. People take offense to that. Like, well, I can go to the bank, get a 5% loan. Yeah, but they're not going to give you any help. And you're, it's a risk. So they're paying for that risk and they're getting it in, you know, in terms of a larger return. So um, when you were courting all of these uh, potential investors, like what were the things that they, like the questions they were asking, like that type of stuff when they were trying to figure out whether or not they wanted to get in bed with you? Yeah, no. Uh, so your numbers have to be airtight. Um, they typically have two to three associates that can run an Excel spreadsheet like nobody's business, right? So they, they'll put all your numbers, they'll take all your numbers. It, it was a great learning opportunity for us and a great just, uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome because um, you learn more about your business because you have to retro, retro actively look back. Um, they wanna know all the numbers, the metrics, production, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, it, it gets really fun really quick. And, you know, the biggest piece of advice, if you're going to go down this path, make sure you have a CFO, a fractional CFO. Don't, don't tell these guys, you got to think about your selling your business and your business is all based on EBITDA. So that's the, that's the other thing. Don't buy an asset if it's not producing income, like real estate, they hate real estate. Um, if you buy a machine, make sure you kick it on and you're generating income out of it. That's good. That's really, really good advice. Have you, um, what have you learned since taking on the, 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 the partner? They, they fully understand how much it takes to scale, right? We, we all think we can scale and we all think we can be the next Elon Musk and, and build the, the car factory out of the, the ground. But I'm sure he had some really powerful help to scale and they, they bring a lot of resources and honestly get, you got to talk about divorce before you get married. What does it look like? 
when things go bad. That that was a real tough conversation that we had. Point blank. When are you going to be so pissed you want to fire me? And when am I going to be so pissed that I'm just going to walk out the door? <laughs> that is such an important topic. Whether you're taking on an investor or not, if you are starting a business and you have a partner, like that is a critical conversation, Chad. And I'm really glad that you said that because that I think a lot of people, you start a business and or you start a partnership and you think, this is going to be great forever, right? Because it's great in the beginning. And we all know it gets tough because business is stressful. And it's that that's a really great conversation. And as soon as you start throwing money into the mix, everybody gets uh, offended because everybody views money different ways and, and they take things personally that they probably shouldn't. And yeah, it gets muddy really quick. And, and for anybody out there who's starting a business and, you know, like, oh, my best friend, uh, from college, we're going to start the, like, you're probably not going to be best friends by the time it's over. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Well, Chad, we need to start wrapping up. Um, and we're going to like, for our listeners who are, you know, interested, um, the dog food is amazing. As you heard earlier, Corey ate some of it and Chad, I know your brother did an experiment like all of January, 2021, right? All he did was eat dog food or yeah. was it 2020? Yeah. 2020, 30 days yeah. of dog food. Yeah, 30 days of dog food. So this dog food is good. Um, you can you can buy it at munstermilling.com and that's actually the link to it is in our show card. So you can head over there to find it. And uh, Chad, we got to get you back on the podcast so we can talk more about private equity and tell some more fun stories. Awesome. I look forward to it, guys. Yep. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. And again, uh, check out monstermilling.com. Great dog food. It's all, you know, handmade, not handmade, but it's, it's, you can create your own style and all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. So check that out. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about gambling. Yeah. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Hey everybody, this is Corey from Defeat the Chaos and I wanted to tell you a little bit about SB Pace. That's the company that Julie and I co-founded. We offer coaching and consulting services to small business owners, helping them to reach new levels inside of their businesses. One of our most popular services is our one-on-one coaching, where we work directly with small business owners just like you to make your business more efficient. We guide you through finding more time in your day to focus on the tasks that bring the most value to your business and accelerate your revenue growth. This one-on-one, well, technically two coaching is built around your schedule and your goals and will help keep you on track to make your business a success. There are no strings attached, no long commitments, and it's priced perfectly for any small business. If you're struggling to find time to grow yourself and your business, or you want to find ways to improve your financial situation, head on over to sbpace.com slash small dash business dash coaching to sign up. It's time to take charge of your own career path, but how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. 
The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Welcome back to the show. We just had a great conversation with Chad Felderhoff of Munster Milling, and we are now jumping into probably the most exciting part of the show, at least for me and probably oh, and, me. and Julie. Yes, <laughs> we've got Maddie Simo on of FootballContest.com, and we've got Mark Traxler, Julie's brother, and we're going to talk about gambling. How are y'all doing today? Doing great. How are you? Doing great. Good. Good. Thanks for coming on the show. So, um, both of y'all on the podcast before. So, uh, Maddie, we had you on not too long ago. We were talking just about gambling as a business and the things that have changed with the laws that are going on, uh, that are changing the, the online gambling, et cetera. And then Mark has been on a couple of times. We've talked football and, uh, we, he was our co-host when we were in Vegas and, um, that was hilarious because we're pretty sure he got roofied the night before. Yeah. Mark had roofied. <laughs> in Vegas, right? Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't fun for Mark, though, was it, Mark? No, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> All right. So let's um, let's talk a little bit before we get into some really fun gambling picks and and you know talk specifics about this year's Super Bowl. Maddie, we want to talk a little bit about the impact of gambling with the increase of online online gambling and and the availability that it that it has across the country like what are you what are you seeing as from a business perspective as a result of the increase in online gambling yeah i mean i think there's just more of an interest in in doing it overall and and trying to find uh, the best sports books to um to wager at um just the ability to Wager online is one thing, but then when you kind of start to shop around and try to find out what sports books have the best lines and the best offerings for for futures, especially um, that kind of opens up your eyes a little bit and you don't want to be limited to like just a few books because, I mean, you're talking about about 30 states in the country that allow sports gambling now, which is amazing compared to where we were a few years ago when PASPA um, passed in 2018. Or, or was I, I should say uh, was was uh, repealed, not uh, passed, but um, basically when they allowed sports gambling in, in uh, not to be illegal uh, in New Jersey and then other states across the country uh, f- soon followed, realizing that it is a great money making opportunity for them, and um, it's just once you, your eyes are open to it, like for example in our business with football contests. You know, you've got a DraftKings that does like an online uh, football contest, but then you want to find out, hey, where are the biggest football contests that I can enter to win the most money? And those for now pretty much still reside in Las Vegas. And we just signed up for yours, by the way, in case you didn't see. Yeah, no, I I got that. Uh, Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we well, we already signed up to be in the the super contest this year, so we're looking forward to another year. Um, and Julie, Mark, and I, the the three of us, have are run the run our contest into the ground. Let's say. Oh my god, <laughs> we were in the ditch this year really early. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we have fun doing it. Sometimes, sometimes it's just like uh, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> um, but in terms of 
the so with gambling getting opened up to so many more people like in my mind every time that I, i'm looking at lines or um just in researching any kind of game like it's it's the people versus the the books but then there's also like you've got the public but then you have the sharps out there the experts and it's kind of like this weird thing where i'm trying to like figure out because like you don't want to jump on board with the public because the public is dumb but um have you seen any kind of a shift in terms of like gambling, just gambling trends, that type of thing with, with it being opened up to so many more people, like the fact that people all over the country now can, can place bets. Is that affecting how the books are, are putting their lines out? Well, I think it's just kind of a, it goes day to day and it goes from week to week in the NFL. I mean, sometimes the public will have a a great week and sometimes the books will have a great week. There's no rhyme or reason to it. The, the tricky thing is, especially, I mean, you guys follow the the football contest picks and things like that on a weekly basis. Normally you look at the top five teams that are picked uh, on a weekly basis. And those are automatic kind of fades where you think, Oh, well, those are the most public picks. There's no way they're going to win. And then they go five and O that week, you know? So it's, you can't, there's no like set trends, like uh, automatically fade the public. I know a lot of people believe that, but the more that sports betting is out there, the more those numbers are kind of skewed that way because or skewed in terms of, you know, you, it's harder to me to try to designate what's sharp action versus what's public action, because I mean, there's just a lot more numbers to look at. So, you know, the minute you go, Oh, well, it's time to fade the public and do that. Then they have a good week. Like I said, or a good day. I mean, you look at like the NBA in particular right now and like the favorites are absolutely killing it the last few days. I mean, they're, they're hitting like 80 over 80%. Um, and then, you know, today you go into it and say, oh, well, I'm just going to ride the favorites. And all of a sudden the underdogs could have a good day. It's just <laughs> you, you just don't know when to jump. The The tricky part with it is like when to j- jump on and ride a streak like like that, where you might fade the public and and when to jump off and and decide kind of, uh, you know, when, when it's enough is enough. So um, that, that it, I think the more sports betting is out there, the harder it is to kind of like I said, figure out what, what's sharp and what's not. Well, I want to start a service. I'm going to start a website and it's going to be a, you know, a website that you have to pay to join. It's just going to, it's going to be fadecory.com because generally like <laughs> if the public's doing well and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to fade the public. The public continues to do well. And if I want to jump on board, be like, well, they're doing well. It's time that I go with the public. That's when they're going to lose. So yeah. just call have you ever considered uh, when you're betting, fading yourself and just betting the opposite. I mean, I, we've got guys in the contest who, Specifically, I think we had an alias uh, bet the opposite. <laughs> that was yes. one of our clients, and you know, our our one of our clients in the in circa million this year, which is one of the big football contests here. He uh, won a million dollars just for um, finishing dead last in the contest. And what he happened was he was about he had a bad week. Um, I want to say like week five or something like that where he was under 500 and he's typically a pretty good contest player. And he just had such a bad week that he realized there's no way he was going to end up like at 70% that was needed to basically finish maybe in the top 10 or whatever. So he just started going the opposite of his picks and he ended up hitting 70% losers or over 70% losers and and won a million dollars. So I feel like we could have done that this year without trying. Yeah. And (laughs) yeah. 
I have considered like fading myself and then, but I, then I get in my head. I'm like, well, this is going to be the week where if I fade myself, yeah, it's that's, good. <laughs> that's the thing, but that's actually a really good idea. We should strongly consider that for next season guys, where we take, we, we have two actual um, contest entries and one yeah. of, we just fade ourselves on it that we're going to end up a winner at on 500. <laughs> we're going to end up at 500. Um, yeah. Right. That's the, that's the hard part. You don't want to end up right in the middle. Yeah. Um, well, let's jump into the NFL and I want to get, or the Super Bowl rather, and I want to get Mark, Mark's opinion because um, I know that Mark had a rough uh, playoff season, let's say. So um, Mark, what are you, what are your thoughts uh, on the game this weekend? We've got um, the Rams in, but then everybody's, I think everybody's rooting for the Bengals because they're the underdog and they haven't, you know, they haven't been to the Super Bowl or whatever in years. Um, and I'm a Steelers fan, so I can't, I, I can I cannot support the Bengals in any way, shape, so. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Mark, what are you thinking for the Super Bowl? Yeah, so thanks for uh, bringing that up, Corey. <laughs> yes, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I haven't uh, paid attention to much of this um, this year for the Super Bowl. Uh, I am rooting for the Bengals. Um, I do not think they're going to win, though. I think – the Rams offense is a little much for the Bengals, even though the Bengals seem to be able to get a lot of takeaways. I don't see it happening a whole lot here. Yeah. So we got the line sitting at four. So do you think the Bengals cover or do you think the Rams do? Oh, I th- I'm going to say that the Bengals cover, but, lose so okay. last minute field goal by the rams to win the game sure all right sure are we'll you, go with that are you going to watch the game mark yeah i'll, I'll end up watching it okay <laughs> all Probably. right yeah for, for everybody out there mark is a packers fan and that was that was a rough uh, loss. definitely it was a brutal loss like i couldn't even talk about it <laughs> yeah okay so um Maddie, what are you seeing for, um, you know, bets that are coming in or where, where you think that the, we talked about this a little bit before we came back from yeah. the break. So what do you, what are you looking at? Well, it's very interesting because one of the books like William Hill and Caesars, who you're going to see a lot of, uh, especially on Super Bowl Sunday, Caesars Sportsbook actually is, is going to have the first sportsbook commercial during the Super Bowl ever. So you're going to see, um, the Mannings on there and, uh, Halle Berry, among others, and it's going to be uh, JB Smooth. There, he's going to be on there, so it's going to be interesting to see for the first time a uh, commercial. But they actually have uh, just gone down to three and a half on the game, which is pretty crazy. I don't know if they're just trying to lure that Rams action right now because every other book in Vegas is four and a half. So I mean, that's a pretty big difference. Um, their money line is down to like minus one seventy, where the take back on the Bengals is plus one fifty, where most other books are like plus one seventy or higher. So if you're going to bet the Rams, they're really trying to get the Rams money in, in there, I guess. Um, but it's going to be interesting to kind of see where where the line uh, ends up if it if it gets kind of to four, which is kind of right in the middle um, of where, you know, you can kind of score that uh, that sweet spot or whatever. Um, if four and a half, I mean, you have those popular numbers of like three and four where you could get on the Bengals, which like what Mark said, you know, I can I can see the Bengals definitely covering like losing by three or four. So if you get the plus four and a half, I think I would feel pretty good about it. 
um, or if you want to tease it up to 10 and a half, which I think is probably probably the safest safest bet on the board. I, I don't really see the Rams blowing out the Bengals. I think uh, I think it's going to be a somewhat a pretty competitive game and could come down to a field goal or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like Mark too. I think the Rams probably are going to win, but I do like the Bengals to cover. Excellent. Well, we're going to use the lines that we have from um, action network, which is the total at 48 and a half and the line is sitting at was sitting at four this morning. So I am on the side of the Bengals. I actually would take the Bengals on the money line, but because I, um, Corey and I gamble as a duo. There's no way he's going to let me take the Bengals to win, but I, I like the Bengals and I actually like the over. So yeah. yeah and, and I'm, I'm staying away. I'm going to, I have to take the Rams. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't bet on the Bengals. Um, but I, I like the under, I like, um, it was at 49 and now it's 48 and a half. I like that under. We're going to have to do prop bets. I think. Yeah. Well, I, I like that tease <laughs> that Maddie has is, you know, the Bengals plus 10 and a half and or plus 10 and then probably over 42 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a probably a smart way to play it. All right. Let's go coin toss. Maddie, what do you, what are you calling on the coin toss? You know, I would just flip a coin and see what it pops up. <laughs> to be honest, with you. I don't think I've ever bought bet the coin toss in my whole life. I'm a huge props guy. I probably have like 20 or 30 props that I bet uh, already. And the coin toss is never one of them. So I just, <laughs> I like to at least feel like I'm getting some kind of edge you know, through, through the game and not you know, lose a bet before kickoff. So <laughs> I kind of, uh, I stay away from that one, but yeah, I mean, literally flip a coin and see what you get and then maybe put your money on that. Mark, what are you taking for the coin toss? Uh, I'll take a tails. I'm heads. I'm tails. All right. Let's, <laughs> there you let's, go. Do, let's do one more quick prop bet and then, uh, we're going to close out the show. And the prop bet that I'm going for is the, I was going to say, will Joe Burrows cry? But that's probably not a prop bet. <laughs> um, will there be a safety? Um, I'm going to say no, no safety. Mark? I will also say no, there will not be a safety. Maddie? I'm going to say yes, just because I like the value on it. I mean, you throw like 10 bucks on it even to win like $50, $60. That's, that's fine. So... It, it probably won't happen. It doesn't happen normally, but you know, it's one of those fun things that happen that could happen during the game where you can win a little money. So I, I like to look at a lot of the plus stuff, even though it, it doesn't win most of the time. Um, I, I just like to have a lot of action out there and try to hit a few things to make some money. So that, that might be one of them. Excellent. I'm going to say yes as well. All right. We need to wrap up. Um, Maddie, thank you so much for um, joining us today. Um, of course. Podcast.com is where you can find him and Mark. Uh, we appreciate having you, even though you were fairly quiet, but that is not unusual for us when we have you on our, as a guest, but we do enjoy hearing your thoughts on football. So this was Defeat the Chaos. We are live every Thursday on Voice America Business Channel. And At 9 a.m. Eastern. 9 a.m. Eastern. That's right. Yeah. I got you this time. Thank you. Yes. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, enjoy the big game, everyone.